bandwidth for changelog is provided by Fastly. Learn more at Fastly.com. You're listening to Spotlight, a show that takes place around big announcements, at conferences, in the hallways, and behind the scenes. It's about getting out and having meaningful conversations with real people in the community. It's Changelog in the Trenches, shining our spotlight. Welcome to our Spotlight series titled The Future of Node, recorded at Node Interactive 2016 in Austin, Texas. We produced this in partnership with the Linux Foundation, the Node.js Foundation, and it's sponsored by IBM and Strongloop. Check out IBM API Connect, a comprehensive solution to manage your entire API lifecycle from creation to management at developer.ibm.com slash API Connect. Also check out Loopback from Strongloop, a highly extensible open source Node.js framework that enables you to create dynamic end-to-end REST APIs with little to no coding at loopback.io. In this episode, I talked to Xia Lu about how China does Node. Software development is done very differently in China, in large part because of the slow translations of documentation and books from English to Chinese, but also because of the Great Firewall of China, which is a censorship and surveillance project of the Chinese government, which makes it very difficult to interact with the rest of the web. Take a listen. Let's start out with what your name is and where you're from. My name is Xia. I am from China. Uh, I moved to the U.S. when I was 14, and I stayed there for about eight years, and then I moved back to China for a year. Um, and yeah, now here we are. Uh, I've already been back for about a year or so, so um, that's why I'm here at the conference to share a little bit about my experience uh, transitioning between the two worlds. So for those out there in the developer world, we you know, in any world, really, we hear about news from other countries, mm-hmm. right? And we, I, I've definitely heard about, but hadn't looked too deeply into because I guess because it didn't matter to me, I guess, mm-hmm. to a degree. Yeah. Not so much like in a negative way, but like right. it didn't impact my day-to-day life, so I didn't look much further to it. But right. I've heard about mm-hmm. the Great Firewall in China, right. and I, I'm aware of this. I'm aware that China's a communist country, and uh, you have different ways you live there than we do here in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the web, we're sort of like a global economy, right? right. We're a global right. people. Exactly where our national borders define us and and separate us. But on the web, we're a bit more like family. Right. So kind of give me a, a peek into your experience then, having lived in and grown up in China, then mm-hmm. move here and then move back. And what's been your experience with, with right. the way we do the internet, I guess? Right. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm going to start off by saying that China isn't really a communist country. Uh, oh, it's but, not. <laughs> no. so, uh, where, where, where does that come from? I, I guess because the central party is called communist party, but it's not exactly what you would picture what a communist regime is like. Right. Uh, although I don't really want to talk much about no, politics. Just, I'm glad you correct me yeah, there. I don't, yeah. I don't want to put any misinformation out there. Mm-hmm. It's not my intent. Okay. Okay. So, um, so my experience has been in, I, well, I came to the U.S. in 2007. Uh, and at that time, the Great Firewall wasn't really built yet. So, so everything was open. Facebook was uh, available. Wikipedia was. And uh, I, I logged on to all these uh, websites uh, back home. But uh, about in 2008 and onwards, um, the Great Firewall started getting built. It was uh, started getting built. And um, it's been perfected over the years. <laughs> and, and more and more websites. Um, at first, it was just Facebook and Twitter. And then it added up to Gmail and uh, Google and uh, a lot of other big, big uh, websites that you would use day-to-day you know, right. life in the U.S. 
Um, so that causes a lot of uh, trouble in, in uh, the developer world because if everyone's used to use um, like you know Google CDN or put a Facebook login on your on your site, that is just never going to work in China because the mass majority actually don't have access to these uh, websites. So, so um, I guess from transitioning from the two worlds, the biggest thing is that um, you have uh, the the biggest thing is that like you have to change your habits a lot uh, from from googling to like using Bing or okay. <laughs> Baidu, um, and 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 basically kind of lose contact with your friends on Facebook mm-hmm. because it just slows you down so, so much these more. networks that we're so used to using mm-hmm. are actually our bubbles right yeah and we don't think about it like that we think that we create our own bubbles by choosing our friends on networks or whatever or communities that we're involved in mm-hmm. I guess just by choosing one like Google mm-hmm. so Bing works in China then yeah how do they get around it? Well, uh, Microsoft is uh, has a, a pretty good relations with the Chinese. But government. Google doesn't. Google doesn't. Uh-huh. Well, Google uh, is more of an internet company, and Microsoft started off as a software company. Right. And that is how the basis went. So, give me the basis of your talk then. So, mm-hmm. you, you're obviously sharing some of your experiences with living behind a right. firewall, living behind basically. Well, how, what would you call that? Separation? Mm-hmm. How do you describe this firewall and what it does to the community behind it? Okay, um, so it's a very common practice in for developers uh, to log on to a VPN that, that goes to the, across the borders every day for work. And that's like something, the first thing that you do every day to, right. to start working. Um, and for us, um, in the be- beginning, it, it's actually okay, since if, as long as you're on VPN, you can have access on everything. Uh, but but uh, VPN has always been on the hunt. Um, it's on the, the what? Like, are, are, we're on the hunt by by either the security department. They're, they're looking for you. Right, right. Okay, gotcha. So, so like, the, I was using one when I when just went back, and then three months later it closed, so I had to use another service. Um, and a lot of my friends set up their own for servers. I just uh, I just ended up using some some, ser- uh, some services, and they um, is. Uh, constantly unstable and um, you have to you have to look for the newest best ones okay <laughs> and so I guess the thing I'm trying to figure out is that uh, outside of the personal experience you've had mm-hmm. as a developer as someone trying to like build stuff right, right. you know maybe I wouldn't say maybe I say for sure mm-hmm. here in the United States or even other countries outside of China I guess that from this example that we're used to if there's information Mm-hmm. For how to be a better software developer, right? We we pretty much have access to it if it's open, right? Right, right. right. But that's not the case for China, right? Um, I would say that the first lesson for software developers is how to connect to <laughs> VPN, okay. uh, um, and and then uh, I think the biggest barrier there still though is language, much less of uh, the the. Uh, much less of like developer experience in terms of whether you can get across because as for us developers we can always get across right I was uh, taking notice to something that's near and dear to us here mm-hmm. at this conference where at Node Interactive 
obviously I run a node conference. Mm -hmm. Anybody who is in the node community right. knows what NPM is, right? right so right. seeing C NPM, which mm -hmm. is China's NPM. So you have the language barrier, but then you also have this firewall barrier. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, talk about the, the language barrier first. Clearly, any... Uh, you know, from here to South America, right. there's a there's a language barrier. From right. here to China, there's a language barrier. From right. here to Germany, there's a so there's a language barrier everywhere. How? Mm -hmm. What is your example of of experiencing this language barrier? Right. Um, I think the language barrier is only an issue where in countries that don't use English as the working language. Um, and, and in China, um, you're a framework or an open source project like Node is only going to be popular if it has Chinese documentation right. and uh, advocates in China. So very luckily for, for Node, uh, there was a, a few very early adopters in China who wrote books on Node, and that's what people base their base their learnings and studying from. And um, in and and. People and I, and I see a lot more people reading books than and then reading online documentations. Really? Wow! So they actually have a in-hand physical book yes. versus online documentation. Right. Solve that problem, somebody. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So what are the? How current are these books? Like, where do they get? How often does a popular or somewhat popular software development book get translated? Um. I would say it depends on. I'm not sure how, exactly how it works, but but I think the more popular like O'Reilly books, they have like translation in the pipeline as soon as it's released. Right. Um, so they're released in English. Do they release all other languages too? Or mm -hmm. you said earlier the reason why I asked that question is because you said working language, which means I, I think what you mean by that is if I'm a professional mm -hmm. and I'm doing work or something work related or something like that, then. When you go to work, right. you, speak you speak English. English. Yeah, but that's not the case in China. No. Is that? Are you familiar with other countries? How often it's not the working language? Um, for example, Japan. It's uh, one of the bigger countries with right. a, uh, English as a working language. So uh, when people in Japan they they don't go to work and speak Japanese, they go to work and speak English primarily. Oh no, I they they would speak Japanese. But they would read English. They would, um, it depends on the company. Right. So Autodesk as a uh, as an international company right. that's primarily U.S. based. Um, most of our coworkers, even in China and Japan, um, would speak uh, professional English uh, and write and write pretty good English. But it is harder beyond that. It's uh, harder to uh, make pleasantries in English. Right. Right. So with your talk, what was uh, what were you really trying to? make people aware of like what was the core goal for you okay so um while i was in the u.s i also never consider how there are certain websites are inaccessible in china so right. so when like i built my own site i just uh used like google cdn or or like facebook logins and, and all these features but then when i when i'm you know, back in China, it's such a big problem, and and also there, there's so many internet users in China that it's it just can't get ignored, and the practice of people getting around these problems are very counterintuitive than what we believe in um, that 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 are good practices in web development. I, I guess this talk is really just for people to be aware 
that there are these caveats that you need to think about when when you have visitors from from other countries. Um, there's, there's so many people using the internet in China right now that that you're just gonna get so much more volume if uh, if you have a website that's China friendly. China friendly. Yeah. It's a good thing. I like that. China <laughs> I'm China friendly. I mean, I want to be. I want friendly with everybody. Um, we're obviously at a developer conference. Right. I'm thinking to myself as you're saying that. Who does that matter most to? Right. It's almost like when you say accessibility to the web. If I don't have an application that has a lot of users who maybe have accessibility problems, right? I, and language is definitely one of them. To me, it's like for developers, totally makes sense that we should have translations. It totally makes sense for O'Reilly to ship a book, mm-hmm. not only in English but in any other native native language where there's a need for it. Mm-hmm. Um, this message you're sharing about uh, about the language barrier, about being able to tap into the large China audience, mm-hmm. uh, who does that come up most to? Is it developers? Is it, you know, obviously when someone like Facebook builds what they build, you know, their 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 network, mm-hmm. they're going to think, well, we should probably make it as accessible to anybody in the world as they can. Right. Right. But but who does this matter most to? I guess this this idea you're sharing. Um, I think it's. For for us uh, as a company, uh, Autodesk has a lot of customers and partners in in China, mm-hmm. and uh, however, uh, a lot of the engineering teams are in the U.S. And so when they were developing, they weren't thinking about a lot of in the beginning. Wow. They weren't thinking about these users in China, and so if you already have a current, if you're not not thinking about the China China market, it's fine. Right. But that's what if, I mean. Like if it's. <laughs> If it's not a part of your business model, right. I guess kind of what really I was thinking. Matter. Like, yeah. not that it doesn't matter by any means, but just yeah. like if it's uh, if it's not my focus, right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If if you have already have customers in China, right. then you should be thinking about them. But see, personally, it is of interest to me because I had never considered it, and we run podcasts. Mm-hmm. I want everybody to listen to it. Now, naturally, I speak I speak English. That's my primary language. Um, so I don't think it'd be worth it to me to have my podcast translated. Right. However, we could transcript them, which we are doing, mm-hmm. and those could easily be transcribed to different languages if we wanted to. But it is important to me to be inclusive to the whole world, mm-hmm. including China, of right. course. I mean, you have so many people there. I would want anyone there who cares about the things we care about, which is open source, software development, open community, inclusivity, mm-hmm. you know, diversity, all those things that we really care about. I'd want them to be able to listen to my shows too. So yep. for someone like me who uses um, Fastly as our CDN, mm-hmm. which is a U.S.-based company, what, what would happen if someone goes to changelaw.com? Our servers are Linode servers. Mm-hmm. They're based in the United States. Um, our CDN is an international CDN. Mm-hmm. How would someone from China be impacted by going to changelaw.com? Would they be able to listen to my shows? Would they not be able to? Uh, they will be able to. Uh, we don't force me to use Facebook. <laughs> we don't use Google CDN. Mm-hmm. We have our own CDN. Okay, cool. Um, well, any server that's outside of the borders, it's right. going to be a bit slower than servers that are within the borders. So, so um, you're you're looking at a page load time of a couple of seconds instead of uh, milliseconds. Yeah, milliseconds for sure. Right. We focus on speed. Yeah. Uh, then, then you definitely would, would need to have a service in China. Plus, we built the website just for fun. Mm-hmm. We built it uh, in Elixir, which mm-hmm. is known to be pretty fast. Mm-hmm. 
because um, it sits on top of the Erlang VM and right. uh, we use Phoenix the web framework mm-hmm. and we purposefully used uh, a smaller JavaScript footprint. Mm-hmm. You know, we purposely didn't use frameworks that would have more than we needed mm-hmm. just to have a couple of features of it. We, we actually wrote our own JavaScript for our own web player. Okay. So we did some things to kind of keep it fast for those mm-hmm. reasons. So for people like us or people that aspire to be like us to have that kind of um, that kind of focus with mm-hmm. speed and our own CDN, um, you know, what can they get right? I guess you know, using our own CDN that's obviously helpful. But right. you mentioned the speed barrier. Where uh, what's the speed roughly for outside the borders? Just curious. I it really depends on the it weather. Depends. <laughs> <laughs> it depends on the weather. Okay. Or, or it. Um, I have no idea what the speed is um, related to, to in terms of the different servers because it actually really changes depending on like really? events and political uh, events wow, in the country okay. sometimes even. So, so <laughs> this is a human thing. Like so, some human is doing this. It's, yeah. it's yeah. You say the weather, but it's really it's uh, it's the winds, <laughs> but it's it's the political winds, so to speak. Right. So if I care about um, if I care about the China market, uh, you know, internet, and I want to be open to those users there, those those developers there, whomever, mm-hmm. um, you know, when you think about speed, that's one thing. Right. Uh, sure, the winds change, and mm-hmm. that 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 happens. But aside from making a performance site, what else can I do to to be mindful of the speed barrier. So, so the best thing to do is always have a server within China, but it is very difficult actually. Um, so, for example, AWS just uh, got its license in China, uh, and to deploy on AWS, um, you need to be a registered company mm. in China and have your all your paperwork ready. Uh, <laughs> um, small business is hard enough. Yeah, exactly, right? and, and it's very difficult to to incorporate something. Uh, okay. In, in, in China, so um, so you're not making it any easier. Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> wouldn't it be just easier? I mean, this is devil, devil's advocate in me saying this, mm-hmm. but wouldn't it be just easier to get rid of the firewall? Yeah, I, I well, there's a lot of. Uh, well, what's the purpose of it? Like, um, it, was it the people of China voting for this thing or desiring it, or was it something else? Like, why? So, Maybe this is a whole different subject you want to go into, but yeah. just share what. You can share, I guess, about okay. what we could do about like is that will okay. it ever go away? I guess is probably the bigger question, rather than like get you into an uncomfortable situation. Where we have to explain oh, okay. something that's just tough. Okay. And I'm not trying to put you in a corner and ask you that. I'm just okay. trying to figure out like why is getting rid of it not an option? Mm. So, um, so people in China can't really vote for it. Uh, we can't vote. <laughs> um, and but but the thing is. It started in 2008, uh, mainly because people were using um, Facebook and Twitter to incite uh, protests, and and they sometimes become uh, pretty violent. Uh, and and that was in 2008. Right. And uh, in afterwards, uh, it just got expanded, and anything that uh, anybody that a company that, for example, Google, who would not cooperate with the government on certain, like, censoring uh, certain words searches, uh, they they would get kicked out of the country, basically. Right. And 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 they're not hesitant to even kick out kick out Google. So. <laughs> uh, well, so when you got your own version of it, right? Was you said Baidu? Yeah, that's Baidu, right. Baidu. Yes. Baidu. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then you got Bing. So mm-hmm. good good job, Microsoft. <laughs> 
Uh, what else? What other search options do you have? Uh, you have like there's this company called 360 Search. This uh, company called Sogo, and there's a bunch of companies making their own search solutions. Right. Uh, my personal experience is that they never really compare to Google on how, on how good they are. Yeah. Um, maybe because uh, once Google went out of China, there weren't enough competition for people to 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 be forced to to make to a make very it better good search engine. Yeah. That's a good example of having a really good, well, really good user experience. I'm air quoting. Uh, I think Google has a good user experience, but I think that there obviously is some biases where if you compare the results from other engines that you might like those better. But I've always, in a blind taste test, so to speak, I've mm -hmm. always preferred Google's results Yep. without any styles, like not even like looking at the page, but just in general, the, the results I get back seems to be, seem to be more relevant to, to me. Let's flip it around then. Let's talk about China to the outside. Mm -hmm. And so uh, your talk is on, you know, how China does know. Mm -hmm. And I think it, what you're talking around is what we've been sharing here is the speed issues, the language barriers, educating developers on how to better think about using certain web services to communicate with to, to China or be inclusive of China. Uh, what about the flip side? Do we have any problems reaching China servers, mm. reaching China, webs China websites? You know, how, how does that work? So I have noticed that uh, the services and websites and apps that I use that have all the servers in China are a bit slower outside of China than, mm -hmm. than within. Um, however, but accessible, though. Yeah, accessible. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the, there's no locking out. It's just, it's just filtering right. what comes in. Mm -hmm. So I guess if um, since we're talking here, we're at Node Interactive, this series we're doing here is called The Future of Node.js. Mm -hmm. Talking about the future of Node. Mm -hmm. um, for those out there listening, these are people who are either in the ecosystem already, developers in the Node system, Node, Node ecosystem, and they want to learn more about the future. What can you share about more from your talk or more from your ideas on the future of Node and where we're going? Like uh, one thing I mentioned earlier, we didn't get to dive much into, which was the 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 NPM of China. Basically, mm -hmm. what what is how does that play out? So, so CNPM, I think, actually stands for private or company VPN. It, it actually doesn't stand for China. It stands for company VPN, okay. NPN. Um, and it was both... I had that wrong, then. <laughs> I, I just I, made an assumption. I, I didn't know until until a few days ago either, actually. Okay. <laughs> i just been using it. Wow, okay. <laughs> um, and so it's, it's a mirror of NPM, right? Uh, the, the registry, yes. The registry, it's right. A, it's a and it's a little bit of latency, a couple hours, couple... No, I think once a day or so. Okay. Yeah, so so remember the Z-pad thing? Yeah. Was never affect oh, or yeah left pad never affected China because uh, it, when it happened we we're like oh um, let's just stop mirroring that part okay. let's, just, let's just not sync that part wow <laughs> that's an easy way to avoid it then okay so for those who are unfamiliar what is you know give us the deeper side of CNPM it's a it's a mirror of the registry. What's the what's the point of it? Is it because of the firewall? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's because it's much slower to download uh, from elsewhere from from npm. Yeah. So um, who got the permission then? I guess to synchronize this. Did they work with the government? Did they work with somebody to like bypass parts of the firewall to be able to sync the registry? Or right. Uh, it's well. So so the firewall doesn't work as. That you need the that you need permission to do things. It's you just do it until someone stops you. So so npm right now has not um, does not have anything political to do with 
any anything political, political basically. So right. so there's no reason to censor it, and it's very important for um, developers. So right. that's that's a very um, so basically until it may cross a line that should not be crossed, right. those are open. Right. Okay. Yes. How does that make you feel? I mean, do you think? Uh, does that make you happy, sad? It's got to make you sad, right? Yeah, it, I am completely against it. Um, I think most people or most of my developer friends are against it too. Right. Um, I have met a couple of people who have been working on this project, who, which I don't call them friends. Okay. <laughs> I, I think um, most people can, if, if you work on this project, you could probably find a better job elsewhere. That's right. Better for humanity. Right. <laughs> Um, just kind of curious if someone from China, because you you still live there, you live mm-hmm. in the U.S. now, right? Uh, I still you, live in China for another month. Okay, so. gotcha. So would you get in any trouble uh, if someone from China heard you talking like this or just in general sharing information about mm, oh, how the, things work? Oh, I, I think the extent of what I've been talking about is pretty, uh, pretty mild, so I shouldn't get any trouble for this. But it's possible. Uh, yes. What yes. I'm trying to get at is that the listeners listening to this should be thankful that you're sacrificing potentially <laughs> to some degree. Yeah. I'm not sure what level of sacrifice there is, but there's some concern for you. Uh, well, yeah, I will, but but I think this is pretty common knowledge already, so it's it's fine for me to talk about. Right. Um, and 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 it's pretty open to everyone. Kind of knows about this now. Okay. So for those who are Right now in China, listen to this podcast. I don't know. Maybe we got 100 people. <laughs> maybe it's a big country, a lot of people there. Maybe it's 10,000 people. I don't know. Um, what do they know, need to know about CMPM? What do they need to know about this concern you have of the firewall, this concern of the language barrier? What do they need to know, like the developers inside of China? Well, well I think it's definitely more beneficial to learn English because... You're, so you're far ahead of people who, who has to read, wait and read Chinese documentation. I, I think that's actually the, the bottleneck of uh, developers for developers in China is uh, uh, not being able to be updated so quickly with English documentation. <laughs> that's unique to hear you say that. I wouldn't expect you to say that it'd be just easier to learn English. Yeah, it seems like it's part of, you know, your culture, your heritage, uh, where you're from. To 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 keep and maintain rather than to give up. I find it a little sad that the that the bottleneck is the translation, that the bottleneck is is um, being forced to some degree. Right. L- learning or speaking English. Well, um, so uh, you know, computer programming is basically invented in English. And, and true. So everyone has to kind of force, uh, is kind of forced to learn English to I guess program. that's true. That's, okay, yeah. I'll take that back then. I'm not, I'm not empathizing. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, that's really all I had. Did you have anything you wanted to share with the with the Node world that, that I may not have asked you? No, I think, I think I have covered everything. Okay. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> okay. Thanks again to our friends at the Linux Foundation and the Node Foundation for working with us on this project, as well as our friends at IBM and Strongloop for sponsoring this podcast series. It was a blast being there. We'll be there again next year, so look out for us in 2017 at Node Interactive. If you want to hear more JavaScript-focused podcasts from Changelog, check out JS Party, our new live weekly show with Michael Rogers, Alex Sexton, and Rachel White. Head to changelaw.com slash jsparty, click subscribe, don't miss the show, and thanks for listening.
Thank you.